On January 21st, 1793, Louis XVI was executed by guillotine at Revolution Square in Paris. Both a symbolic and substantial moment in the French Revolution as the country transitioned from a thousand years of monarchy to a republic. Until only 11 years later, when it went back to an empire, then back to a monarchy, and then an empire again, then back to a monarchy, then back to an empire. Well, you get the idea. For the nearly 80 years after Louis XVI's beheading, the reign of any particular leader was often shorter than this country's eponymous bread. But after 1870, the political system mostly stabilized. So if you're looking for a dramatic roller coaster, you'd have to look elsewhere. Perhaps to the World Cup team. Where else could you find a team that made the final of the World Cup and then four years later, at the next World Cup, didn't win a single game and then do the exact same thing again? You'd be talking about a team that has either failed to qualify or failed to get out of the group stage as many times as it has made the semi-finals since 1982. <laughs> a team that in that span has a first, second, third, and fourth place, along with a 28th and a 29th place. So let's hop on to this World Cup roller coaster with higher highs and lower lows than you will find anywhere else. Hold on to your hats and your heads. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team... France. Joe picks a World Cup team. The state's no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Damn. I'm so excited to be talking about France. I feel like this is like a big episode, right? This is huge, show, and and spoiler, you've already been you've already talked about France in the past. I've I've talked about France. I've talked to French people about France. Also, Dan, is this the first World Cup country that we've both visited? Hmm. Have you have well, let's see. Well, we've both been to Mexico, but we haven't done that yet. Right. You've been to Australia, but I haven't. Hmm. Well, Nigeria, Denmark, Serbia, Argentina, Poland, Portugal, Morocco, Russia, Uruguay, Costa Rica, Australia, Sweden. Yeah, I have been to none of the countries that we've done so far other than Australia. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is the first, well, this is the first one that I've been to. I haven't been to any of these other countries. Wow. I mean... So you've been to it. I've actually only spent about three days total in France, but my lovely fiance has she once did a semester abroad in France, so she spent serious time in France. I've 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 been to France twice and spent a lot of time there, but really only only in Paris. I was only in Paris for yeah, I've only been to Paris. 
it wasn't the greatest experience, but I think Paris, at, at least my memory of it was, I went there on a college trip, and we were like 22, and I'm sure douchebags, and the French people just have no tolerance for that. Like, you can't go to a restaurant or a bar. They Literally, we went to a bar, and we were like, hey, we want to go to this bar, and they were like, the bar's closed. And we're like, they're, they're like 30 people in the bar. <laughs> there and they're people like, inside, what are you talking they're about? They're like, it's closed. Which, <laughs> at the time, I was like, ugh, these French bastards. But now, in retrospect, it's like, I love the French. They're like, we don't want you, like, snotty college kids ruining our, like, nice bar. Like, yes, yeah, they're like, we're drinking wine and eating cheese in here. Get the fuck out. And they were. Yeah. It was a very classy place. And they didn't want us in there. We really enjoyed France, both the times we went there. I actually have, have some, some family there. So, um, yeah, we had a really good time. I have very positive feelings. And actually, like a little bit, not to disagree with what you're saying, because I think that it is true that like the French don't have a lot of like tolerance for shit like that. But like we also found people there to be very polite and helpful if you were polite and helpful. Right. Like if you like 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 asking for directions in France was much less stressful than in Italy, in my opinion. I mean, if I recall right before going to that bar, we were buying an apple from a local street vendor so we could make it into a bowl and smoke weed in it. And I mean, it was like... You were at a different place in your life when you were in France. Whatever we were being treated was very appropriate for however (laughs) we were acting. So if I went again, I mean, Megan has very fond feelings of it, although she was like somewhere in the countryside and they would like take the train to Paris on the weekends and stuff. And uh, But she, she has very fond memories of it. So I'm not... I'm coming in... With no nothing negative about France, not that it's up to me, it's up to you. As people will listen to later in this episode, you have pre-done about 30 minutes of interviewing in very different categories with your friend Perry. And you know what, Joe? Without We always start with the drink, so without further ado, let's just hear the drink segment you pre-recorded. So uh, Great. here we go. All right. Perry. Thank you for joining the podcast. You're, yeah, you're welcome. My, it's my pleasure. All right, Perry. So you're French. Half French. Ha- but, you, but you were raised in France. In France. Yes, I was. Okay, now I have to ask first. I, I don't want to offend you. But you don't sound very French. So no, I think no. our listeners are going to think that this is bullshit. Okay. Can you say something in French? Uh, bonjour, Joe. Je suis content d'être en ta présence et uh, de faire le podcast avec toi. Okay, that sounded, that sounded pretty it's legit. pretty legit, okay. That sounded Good. legit. Good. Okay. All right. Well, Perry, so we're going to talk about France this episode. Mm-hmm. Where, now, I know that you're not an avid listener of the podcast. Maybe you've heard of the podcast. Um, but I'm trying to figure out which World yeah. Cup team to root for. So in this World Cup, are you going to be rooting for France? Yeah, probably. I'm assuming that's, that's been, you know, the usual. I mean, the U.S. Is, is, you know, I've I've been living actually now as long in the States as I have, as I did in France. So it's sort of, um, it's a split allegiance now. So in the World Cup... If the U.S. were in, do you root for both? Both until they went head to head. Okay, and then that would be a challenge. Head to head, who do you root for? Probably France. Yeah, I mean it's 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 that's it's growing up, you know, watching the French national team. I didn't grow up watching the U.S. national team. I grew up yeah. watching, you know, Platini. All right, Joe, pause. Oh, you come on! You're talking about rooting for the U.S. versus France. What? Come on, Perry. Are you kidding me? Look, you know, Perry has a split allegiance. His, you know, he. He's he's now like he said he's lived here as long as he's lived in France. 
Oh my god. Come on. Jesus Christ. That's like asking, oh, I grew up in Germany and the US. Or, or like those soccer players. Like, if they're talented enough, they want to play for Germany. It's just like they can't make the German team. Of course, if you're good enough to be on Germany or the US, you pick Germany. I mean, all right. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to spoil like later sections of this podcast, but I, I actually think that I agree. When, we, when Perry and I talked about this, it, it seems strange. However, when he talked about some of how like, at least in his worldview, how like the how French fans how they sort of interact with the team, and this is was backed up in our in our um, fan emeritus research about fan culture. Like it makes sense to me why like you'd be sort of like eh, you know I don't live there anymore. I'm gonna you know root a little bit for the other team. I see. I see. All right, here we go. Keep going. I grew up watching the U.S. national team. I grew up yeah. watching you know Platini and all those guys and Gires and all those players that were those they were my childhood heroes. You know, so. I have to say, I've I've seen you wear a uh, France jersey, mm-hmm. a French kit, as mm-hmm. it were. I've never seen you wear a U.S. kit. I I, I used to own one, but I don't, one. yeah, I used to own a shirt that said U.S. soccer on it. But but you still have the France jersey, yeah. And I've seen you wear a PSG done, kit yeah. too. PSG, yeah, yeah. And is PSG your team that you were for in France? That was yeah. When I was a kid growing up, that was the team, and they're good now. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I mean, it's, it's changing, right? There's so much money in soccer now. It's hard to tell. You could be good one year, and the next year it could be terrible. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we have our fans do our mm-hmm. research for us. And so, you know, one thing that's great to have a native is that we can actually fact check mm-hmm. our, we call them our fans emeritus, who do our research for us. And so let's start with a drink. Okay. Now, we asked for the drink that's like the national representation of this country. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a good sign is as we poured this, you said, I've never had cognac before. <laughs> well, I've probably had it in like drink something. But yeah, I haven't actually had a glass. But you have to remember that I left France when I was 18 years old. Ah, okay. So, so that, I mean, I was legal so age drinking there. But, but your but drinking history there. Yes. Is, and I imagine even like when you're 18, like cognac isn't your first choice, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Not like. Yeah. Okay. So, so. So when you were drinking in France, like what would you drink? Would you drink French beer? Like what was the thing? Yeah, French beer. Um, that was pretty much it growing up because you know I wasn't I wasn't versed in you know the spirits or anything. So I just yeah, it was mostly beer. Okay, so like, let 60, me read 64. what what fan emeritus David okay. said about our drink. He said, "France, let's get classy." Fan emeritus Sean, not David Joe. Damn it! Damn it! Nice try. Nice you can try. Edit. Here, let me just say no, the I'm word Sean. So you can edit. Hold this on, hold is, on. This Dan, is in. This is Dan. the podcast. Sean. <laughs> no. Okay, now you can now you can edit that in. No, no. Thank you, fan emeritus Sean. That Joe misspoke. I think Continue. I think in every segment, I think I, I I call whatever fan emeritus David. I think David is just my like <laughs> David, catch all. All right, the French drink. Don your finest satin pajamas. Put on a robe, sit in a leather armchair. We are sitting in armchairs. We are, yeah. Uh, by a roaring fire. There, I, there I know there used to be a, for, a fireplace behind this, this beautiful wall that it no longer has a fireplace. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, light a pipe. Okay. I mean, and marijuana is legal, so it could be any kind of pipe. It's, I guess here. you're right, yeah. And pour a snifter. Would you call this a this snifter? Is, yeah, I think it probably is. I think it's close to what a snifter. This is close enough to a snifter. Yeah. Uh, of brandy, preferably cognac. This is certain to be the classiest episode ever. There we go. All right, we haven't tried this yet. Ready? Cheers, let's try it. Cheers. Oh, hold on, hold on. What's cheers in French? What do you say? À la vôtre. Uh, uh, santé. Santé. That's santé. the real. 
Okay. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's. It, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's got it, a good like. It's hard to describe. It's like a scotch, yeah. but sweeter. It has a little bit. Of, you can taste like the oak barrel. It's. I don't. I don't know how they make. I would be interested to do some research on this one. I mean, I think it. cognac. I'm not an expert in this at all, but I think cognac is a type of wine. <laughs> I don't I think know why it's I like, have to preface that. I'm obviously not. I think it's made out of grapes. Maybe. I have no idea. Like I said, I'm just. Yeah. I mean, wine, no problem. You can we can talk about wine all day long, but this yeah. stuff is. But this, it's, it's good. It does. Yeah, it's good. No, it's it does good, feel classy good, to drink. It does, this, yeah. doesn't it? It feels a little bit. It's a little bit better than the whiskey, right? It's a little bit more refined than a whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely could feel. I could definitely curl up next to a fire with this. Yeah. In yeah. my silk pajamas. Do you own silk pajamas? I don't. <laughs> you don't. No. <laughs> the non-true French. Um, <sighs> all right. Well, that's great. Okay, that's that's I'm it for the drink. No one said Grand Marnier. Should I have a, a glass of Grand Marnier? I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, you could do Grand Marnier. You could do. I mean, you could do Champagne, right? Yeah, Champagne would be probably more appropriate. Yeah, because it's so popular. Yeah, I mean, really, it should be more. I, I mean, I would if you were going to sit down and do a pie, it would be a glass of red wine. Right, like Maybe just good, like with Bordeaux. a little appetizer, some Bordeaux, and cheese, and brie. So next podcast, if we do France again for some other reason, we'll. I mean, we could just do that anyway. We'll do the meat. Let's just do. Oh, uh, I'm in. I'm in. Perfect. We'll Forget the podcast. Here. Let's just do it <laughs> on the side. All right, but this is this is good. No, this, this is, is pretty good. good. Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I think it's. I think it's a. I think you chose a good bottle too. Yeah, I mean, you know what I did? I chose the. Um, the cheapest bottle that was not just brandy, but cognac. <laughs> cognac, yeah. And, you know, there weren't cheap options. So it wasn't like, you know, I yeah. couldn't like buy like the $20. Because cognac is, is already a step up. I think it's like Champagne or Bordeaux that it has to come from that. France. It can't, you, you can't have like a, a cognac that was made in, in Tennessee. It wouldn't yeah. be cognac. Yeah. It would just be brandy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, I mean, it was not, it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't like the most expensive yeah. one either. That's good though. <laughs> Haha, Joe. There we go. Guess what, Joe? When you leave the editing to me, I get to leave in whatever I want. <laughs> Dan, do you have a cognac? So, Joe, as you misidentified superfan, fan Zemeritus Sean, he said we should drink cognac. Well, you know they're what? All, my, they're all Davids to me. My lovely fiance and I, I mean, I edited this earlier today, and I thought, you know what? Instead of going out and buying a bottle of cognac, which I've had cognac before. In fact, I've had cognac a few times with fan emeritus Tony when our good friend at the time, Jackie, her in college, her, uh, I remember one time we went to a restaurant and her dad ordered cognac and he was buying dinner for all of us in college and it was a very nice meal and we all were like, yes. We would all like cognac, and we had they had the very nice cognac. What were, what are they called? You you mentioned s- sifter, snifter, snifter, yeah. snifter, and you you warm it up with your hand and swirl it around. And we were all at this fancy Beverly Hills restaurant, like a bunch of twenty one year old kids drinking this cognac. But now, as it did it, you did you ask for an apple to make an apple bong? I did not. <laughs> this was before the trip to France. We were the same people. So you weren't. So you weren't above asking for an apple for an apple bong. But it just you no, happened to not just, at that moment. When you're in America, we like understood the 
we understood in this restaurant asking them for an apple and then using the knife to sort of carve out a bong in the (laughs) restaurant would not have been appropriate. So really, your behavior in France was less about being rude, but more just about not understanding the cultural mores of France, right? That's fine. You're just a 22-year-old on a Euro trip. I mean, you just like... You just do things that are inappropriate. I mean, we were in those hotel rooms, and you know the kind where they have, like, the keys all in the front section? You know, they're, like, so nice that they don't even let you have the keys. And they're, like, old. And we were, like, in one of those rooms, we had, like, eight people, and we just kept getting complaint after complaint after complaint. Because there are all these nice people vacationing, and we're just staying up until, like, four in the morning, like, yelling and getting drunk. And they hated us. And they should have. We were horrible. <laughs> I would never do something like that again. But we were just doing it back then because we were assholes. But anyways, back on track. As you'll notice, I have great respect for super fan, fan emeritus Sean. But I'm just, Megan and I were opened a, a bottle of red wine. And so I am going with what Perry recommended. And we've been drinking red wine all night. Had a nice dinner. And, uh, now, is it at least is it at least French red wine? So I I went through my vaunted wine cellar, custom made by me, and unfortunately, when you live approximately thirty miles from Napa Valley and Sonoma Valley, there's just no reason to buy French wine. I could just buy incredible wine from Sonoma, and I normally, you know, we go on wine tasting trips, and I just bulk up and just get a year's worth of wine, you know, every trip. So unfortunately, I did not have a single French bottle. So it, this is a, uh, a Sonoma wine, but it's, th- it's quite delicious. I think our French fans are vigorously disagreeing with you right now. Well, vigorously disagree if they want. Doesn't matter. They're shaking, they're shaking a baguette at their phones right now. Speaking of those fans, great segue, Joe. Let's move right along to the mailbag section. We've got the drink out of the way. You've got your cognac in a snifter. I've got my wine in a wine glass. But let's get to uh, to Kevin. And, and Joe, he says, recently I was su- suggested to your podcast by my sister, one of your fan emeriti. How do you like that, Joe? Wow. See, fan emeriti doing the recruiting? This is what we want. This is huge. We... we, we can, are contracting the categories, we need to expand them to expand our, our, our listening base. As, as a person with interest in other countries and a football fan, I've been listening with great interest and enjoying the banter. During one of the never-ending national anthems, I had a thought I would like to share. I have not listened to all the episodes yet, so I apologize if this has been discussed. It hasn't. It seems Joe is trying to pick a team to enjoy not only in the upcoming World Cup, but also in future competitions not involving the U.S. As the World Cup is only once every four years, I feel that extra consideration or possibly bonus points should be given to European nations as they could also be competing in the UEFA European Championship. While the World Cup can have the best storylines, the Euros tend to have better footballing quality from top to bottom. Although the other continents have similar competitions, none truly compare with the Euros. I am a USA and Argentina fan, and while the World Cup can be exciting, I always feel left out on the off years when Europe is battling it out, and I have no true rooting interest. The more chances you have to root for your team, the more fun. It shouldn't be a deciding factor, but just something to keep in mind on your quest to find the perfect team. 
Thanks for the countless hours of interesting tidbits, Kevin. It's a very interesting point, Dan. Also, I, 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 he says Kevin, a.k.a. Moofy. So, I don't know. Oh, it's, oh I know Moofy. Absolutely. Okay, so, it's Moofy. Yeah, yeah the Moofinator. <laughs> oh, man. Moof it up. I think Moof makes an interesting point, Joe. He, 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 and, and by the way, I think Moof is like, is like Smurf. It could be a noun or a verb. Like, you know, he totally moved that one, but that's a good thing. I think he moved this email. Oh, he moved the shit out of this email. No, look, here's the thing. Uh, I agree that actually it, it would be nice to have a team that I could return to every four years in a Euro competition when, you know, the U.S. isn't even like you don't even have to feel like you have split loyalties. The U.S. is not in Europe. They can't. So for somebody like me who's very ignorant of I I mean, I understand the Euros exist. Are the Euros every are they the even number of years that are uh, that are not the World Cup? Are they odd number of years? Correct. They are the even numbered years that are not the World Cup. If if you pick the European team, you'd have and you'd have a true rooting interest every non-World Cup year, because obviously the U.S. cannot be in the Euros. Yeah. However, what I would like to say is like, you know, maybe you're, maybe the Moofinator was, was moving a little too narrowly here. And it's not just about the Euro. So maybe I should be thinking about what teams have like very active cricket teams or rugby teams, like other, other things I could watch that I would now have a rooting interest in. You know, earlier this week, I actually had a dream involving cricket, which was really strange. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't even know the rules of cricket well enough to dream about it. Like, <laughs> I had like, a dream where I was <laughs> explaining the rules of cricket to somebody, and I don't even know the rules of cricket. <laughs> Wait, the creepiest thing would be is, is if you were actually explaining them right in your dream. <laughs> no, I think I think I was explaining them fairly right, but it was like... It was just like the thing you wake up, you know, sometimes you have a dream and you remember. And I was like, was I just dreaming about explaining? Because, again, as I've said, I'm sort of like a know-it-all. And this is like a a thing that I would dream about if somebody's like talking about cricket. I'm like, oh, I know everything about cricket. But I really don't because in the dream, sometimes you wake (laughs) up and you're like in the dream, you're like explaining something. And then you're like, I don't know what – I don't know the rules of cricket. I mean, I know them to such a narrow degree. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But Dream Dan is, like, explaining the nuance of every rule. Well, and exactly. Like-, <laughs> like, in your dream, or in my dream, certainly, I know whatever I'm talking about. And all the people are like, oh, my God, this guy knows everything about everything. And I'm like, that's right, I do. And then I wake up. I'm and pretty it's, sure non-Dream Dan kind of acts like that, too. I know, no. I mean, that's they're very similar, except for in Dream Dan, I just everybody's like wowed by it in actual life <laughs> nobody cares or is right, interested right. also in dream dan your subconscious can like fill in whatever you don't know with bullshit but think it's real right yeah, yeah. so and my subconscious does that a lot <laughs> so but i think it's a great point you know perhaps perhaps something to put a pin in and talk about when we figure out how we're going to whittle these teams down from 16 to 1 Maybe that becomes a playoff category. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point because the one thing I would say about it is I have no doubt the South American version of it is probably fucking awesome because all 10 teams, I'm sure, just play in some awesome tournament and it'll be on our time zones. But, like, is that even broadcast in the United States? I mean, no, I think 
you bring up the exact right problem, right? It's it's like people who you talk to who are like, when you talk about being a Premier League fan, who are like, well, you know, the most clinical football is actually played in the Bundesliga. And you're like, yeah, fine. But like, I can't turn on NBC and watch Bundesliga. Like, it doesn't matter, right? So it's like, you know, part of why I think many Americans like the Premier League isn't because we all don't recognize that, that, you know, the Spanish clubs or many of the German clubs or, or, or whatever are higher quality than the Premier League clubs. It's that that's what it, it is accessible to us. So, so I think, and I think the Premier League has more parity and is a better league, but it's similar with the Euros that like, yeah, the South, South American competition could be fucking awesome. And I know like the Africa Cup is like a huge deal in Africa, but you're never going to get to watch that here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the one thing I would say is I I have fond memories of growing up in high school of watching the Bundesliga on TV. I don't know what channel it was on or why it was on TV, but I think maybe maybe 16, 17 years ago, the Bundesliga was the most available thing on TV. <laughs> but that is certainly not the case anymore. No, it is not. Maybe your parents just had like a weird German satellite. <laughs> I I know they did not, but I don't. I mean, I think like 16 years ago, the only channels you got soccer was not on hard hardcore snuff porn. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Superfan Jay. He writes in and says, first off, congrats to you, man, on the engagement. Don't worry. My feelings are not hurt that you did not mention my congratulations in the football thread on the podcast. Not hurt at all. Uh, oh, boy. Anyways, Joe made a joke in there to Jeff, and I couldn't help but do my best to make it a reality. I've had a blast listening to season two. Wish I had more to contribute, but my soccer knowledge begins and ends with Atlanta United, so I'm enjoying the ride. Fuck the Saints and whatever World Cup team Jeff roots for. Probably North Korea. Super fan Jay. And as a cherry on top of this email, Joe... Let's open our new segment. Thanks to Superfan Jay. My apologies, Jay, if I did not mention you. You're mentioned now, and here we go. Bumba-doodly-dum, Dan's wedding corner. Bumba-doodly-dum, Megan loves her some Dan. Bumba-doodly-dum, Dan's wedding corner. Planning out a wedding among superfans. Wow. Jay with the competing theme song. I don't even think he auto-tuned that. I think he just has a great voice. He, did, he has a very a good voice. Yeah, I mean, now we have a music laureate, and we also have a, like, a cappella laureate. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Joe, he's introducing Wedding Quarter. We, we talked about it in the last podcast. Going to play in the bachelor party. I also think that, like, Jay is, like, throwing a little shade at Jeff's um, musical genre. I like it. I like well, it. Well, I, th- I don't think it's strong shade. It's imitation. Imitation is the best form of flattery. All right. Let's, let's step in. Let's step into Wedding Corner. I love it. So I've got to play in the bachelor party, Joe. I have, it's now been, I don't know, a few weeks. Now, as an aside, there's no way we're going to finish this podcast in time because we're doing these episodes way too infrequently. So some super fans should figure out how many we have to do before the World Cup, but Let's worry about that in another podcast. Um, I've had some time to think about this. I've talked with Superfan Tony, and I had a multi-hour phone conversation. 
in which he gave a a suggestion that I think really hit home with me, but I, I want to give you the same criteria. So here's what I want in a bachelor party, Joe. Okay. I want it to Lay be it somewhere close to me. Like, I hate flying east because the time zone works against my direction, against my, my schedule. It, You know, I live on the west coast. I would rather go west than go east. Like, honestly speaking, I would rather go to Australia than I would go to New York. Like, for me, it's just more yeah. pleasant. And you sort of live on on like at least like you sort of live your life on a Hawaii time zone. Like that's your I, natural I do. state. I live on Hawaii. When I went to Australia to prepare, all I had to do was for about the, because you can really just get like an hour a day to convert to a time zone. To get on normal Australian time, all I had to do was stay up one hour later for three days. And then I was just on Australia. I literally flew to Australia and I was on Australia time the moment I got there. <laughs> like when I fly to Europe, I, I do this now where I try to get on the right time zone beforehand. I, it takes me two weeks of maniacally going to sleep earlier and like getting up super early to get on European time before I can make that work. It's a disaster. But anyways, West Coast better than East Coast. The place needs to have a casino, Joe. I love gambling. I'm a big gambler. I will admit that to the world at large. All my friends know. Just... I, I'm not in a, I'm not a um, a professional gambler, but on special occasions I love to gamble. I want I want there to be a casino as part of it, and I want it to be somewhat accessible for all my friends. You know, I do have friends all around the country, and I want people to be able to go to it. So I've been to Melbourne. And I thought, God, Melbourne literally there's a casino right in the heart of it. Melbourne is so awesome. Australia is such a fun place. Everybody speaks English. But it's just so fun. I mean, how can I ask? How can I ask my friends, especially the ones who live on the East Coast, to fly all the way to Australia for what? A bachelor party of what? Three days or four days or something? Right. right. That's rough. Can't do it. So New Orleans. Great casino in the heart of town. Such a fun place. I've been to a bachelor party there. Middle of the country, so super accessible. Super accessible. A little too far east on Eastern right, time. Not right, not West Coast. And I've coast been all, to yeah. an awesome bachelor party there. And I somebody else had a bachelor party there. They had it there. So then of course we go to the obvious choice, which is Vegas, which is an hour flight from me. Right I mean, in the smack dab in the middle of the West Coast. Couldn't you you, you can't Miss it. It's. I, I mean, I've I've spent so much time in Vegas. I love Vegas, but I'll tell you, Joe. I I just assumed it was a lock. My bachelor party would be in Vegas, but my friend Trevor, who doesn't listen to the podcast, had one of the most amazing bachelor parties I ever went to in Vegas. And I just feel like I really. It's not that I can't compete with his bachelor party because his bachelor party will be different from mine. But it was so awesome in Vegas that I feel like I would like to go somewhere else. So I I thought, where? what's a place on the West Coast or in the Western time zone that has a casino that is, like, new and different, Joe? And do you know what Tony suggested to me? What did Tony suggest? Tony suggested to me Vancouver. 
Interesting. Interesting. Now, Joe, I've never been to Vancouver, and I know you've been many times. What do you tell me about Vancouver? I mean, Vancouver is a really fun city. It definitely has casinos. And it could, can you, like, gamble all the things? Can I play roulette? Can I play blackjack? Well, to be honest, I've never been to any of the Vancouver casinos because I've, you know, it's just not, like, what I've done when I go there. Yeah, you're going on, like, family trips. Yeah, I mean, even before. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, okay, it's very, um, the thing I like about Vancouver is it's, like, about the same size population-wise as Seattle, but it's much more condensed, so it feels like a much bigger city. Uh, yeah, I mean, Vancouver's a really fun fun town. And, I mean, it's, like, not your traditional bachelor party area. Um, I will say there's a little bit of, like, Vancouver's not, Really, and, and this may be like where we hang out and stay in Vancouver. It's not like um, a party city. Well, would you say so? For example, I've gone to a bachelor party in Portland that I thought was actually one of the most fun bachelor parties I've also been to. I don't know. I mean, is Portland considered a party city? No, and Vancouver is much more of is much more metropolitan than Portland is. I think if you go to the downtown area or if you go to a casino, you're going to be like, there's going to be, I mean, I just want to drink and gamble. And I feel like that's going to be available. And Vancouver is also has the fun. It's a, it's a different country. It's Canada. Totally. Yeah. Canada's better than the United States, I think. Do I have to convert my money to Canadian money? No, not at all. I just walk around with dollar bills there. They don't care. Also, you're going to use a credit card. Well, I'm wondering, in the casino, am I going to be gambling U.S. dollars or Canadian dollars? Because I think it would actually help me if I was with Canadian dollars, because I feel like those are less valuable than U.S. dollars. I mean, I think the only, the only reasonable thing now for me to do is to go scout. Scout it out, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I have a responsibility to do that. I like how you barely have the time to record this podcast, but you will have the time to drive to Vancouver and scout out the casinos for me. Well, I mean, to be fair, Vancouver is very close to Seattle. Like Liz and I have gone many times on like random, like, hey, we have nothing planned this weekend. Let's go to Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once Tony mentioned it, I was very excited about it. I, I mean, I tried to do research. I, I, I sort of went to the casinos and sort of looked inside. I mean... I just think it's right, Joe. I, I, I just think it seems like a fun place. We're going to be going in the middle of the summer. And my favorite part about when you go in the summer to the places like Seattle or places north, it's so fun. The sun is up so long. It's uh, – I think oh, it's going to yeah, be – Oh, a- no. It's, it's awesome. But just not in July though, Dan. Don't I'll, do July. I'll work it around your schedule, Joe. I'll work <laughs> it around the World Cup schedule. Just not in July. And with that – Wedding planning corner is done. Thank you, Super Fan Jay. Such progress. I think this is huge. Well, you're going to do a little research and get back to me. I'm after Tony suggested it though, and I did some research. I'm pretty set on Vancouver. I, I just feel like it's the spot. I mean, there's no other Canadian city that's like big, right, on the West Coast. No, 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 no. And Vancouver is an awesome city. Like we love Vancouver. Great. Also, like. Great food in Vancouver. Great, like, Asian food in Vancouver. Yeah, I don't care about any of that, but that's fine. Anyways, moving on, Joe. Hey, it's only been 40 minutes. Perfect. We're surgical. We're ahead of schedule. Let's get into France. And now, I posted on our Reddit forum 
That's well, we should we should uh, tell listeners now where they can find this Reddit forum. Yeah, yeah, Reddit subreddit. Oh, I already got the names wrong. Go to reddit.com slash r slash Joe Picks, the Joe Picks subreddit. I posted a thread about this France episode looking for some commentary. Here's what we got, Joe. Superfan Luke says he's English, so he doesn't like the French. So keep that in mind. Karsten says, I got mugged in Paris one time. Oh, boy. Josh says... The Zidane headbutt is my favorite World Cup memory. Bez, and Bez will also have some feedback later that he emailed in, says, on paper, one of the best teams should have won the Euros. And Superfan Jay, one hour ago, very recent, posted an image, which he said, his prediction, and it is somebody kicking another player in the nuts. That's Zidane kicking someone in the nuts. Is it Zidane? Yeah, you can recognize Dan. I see the bald head. I see the number 10, but I can't quite read the thing. I would assume that you would, you know, appreciate the bald head and would be able to, like, pick it out. I feel like a, a bunch of soccer players have that. Okay, anyways, that's the Reddit update for this. We've we've got to keep it moving, Joe. Thank you I all. I mean, Zidane might be the most popular bald person in the world. Mm, I feel like there are quite a few other bald people in the world. Uh Mike Tirico. <laughs> I mean, Zidane is way more famous than Mike Tirico. Huh. Michael Jordan. Ah, boom. <sighs> Got you. Okay. All right, fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Move uh, on. All right. Let's learn. Thank you. Let's learn a little bit more about this country in a segment I like to call Hawaiian Handbook. The name of the people a French man or French woman or a group of French men or French women who are all French. The language, French. The religion, Christian, overwhelmingly Roman Catholic, 63 to 66%. Muslim, 7 to 9%. Buddhist, half a percent to 0.75%. Jewish, half a percent to 0.75%. None. No religion whatsoever, 23 to 28%. And the capital city of France is, of course, Paris. All right, Joe. It's time for everybody's favorite game. Can Joe guess something about this country? I asked this to Megan earlier tonight to see if she'd get it right. She could live in France. She did not get it right. Joe, can you name either the first or the second chief export of France? And I will say this. I think it is gettable. But Megan did not get it right. Hmm. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I still don't know about this, this export category that we talk about like is it a country when you have a country like france is it something that that country is known for or is it just like something that as a like big industrialized like modern you know european powerhouse that it would be their chief export and i don't know i don't know like i mean for that matter i don't know what the u.s's chief export is yeah i don't know what the u.s's chief export is 
No and clue. maybe that's my problem with like calibrating this. Okay, so like if I were to say something French, I'd be like, okay, it's probably wine. They probably export a shitload of wine, but they might export the most wine of any country in the world by a factor of 10. And for a big country like France, it's still not their number one export. So I will highlight wine because I actually did research on that. Wine is France's number seven export, though you are correct that France is the biggest wine exporter in the world by dollar value. But we'll dig into that a little bit more later. But that is their number seven biggest export. Okay. Okay. Um, is it? Okay. I think I have a guess. I'm going to go a little bit broad. I'm going to say textiles. What is a textile? I don't even know. Like clothing, shirts, jackets, like pants, whatever. Incorrect. Incorrect. Damn it. All right, Joe. I'll give you the same hints I gave to Megan. Okay, lay it on me. Their chief export is something that you use probably five to ten times a year, and it's the most expensive thing. Oh, airplane. Correct. All right. Duh. Of course. Yes. Their biggest export is planes. Correct. And damn it, I, you're right. That is very gettable. It is gettable. gettable. You just you just have to think about it. So, uh, Airbus is based yeah. in France, and so Airbus is so significant to France exports that when like the A380 was having trouble getting orders, like France's economy was having trouble because such a large percent of their exports are just airplanes coming out of Airbus. No, and the reason why I absolutely should know that is that the reason why Perry, well, I mean, his dad is French, but the reason why Perry spent half of his life in France and in America is that he and his father both work in the airplane manufacturing industry. And, of course, Washington has Boeing. Exactly. So, all right, Joe, that's weak. That is, you you should have gotten it. And just to finish out, so their number three export is cars, and the number two export, which Megan actually guessed after I told her about planes, is drugs. Apparently, <sighs> France is a pharmaceutical powerhouse. Yeah. How? Where is, where is textiles on the list? Textiles is it's not in the top ten. <sighs> Damn it. Anyways, and just to dig in about wine a little bit because I researched this. So if you actually look at wine exports by gallonage – the order goes number one, Spain, number two, Italy, number three, France. So France is all down to third, number four, Chile, number five, Australia. But if you look at wine exports by value, it's number one, France, number two, Italy, number three, Spain, number four, Chile, number five, Australia. So France jumps from number three to number one because French wine on on a per gallon basis is worth more than twice as much as Italian wine and more than five times as much as Spanish wine. So as a classic French good, they are incredibly expensive and you know, it's not about volume for the French. No. Yeah. Quality, not quantity. And they're just making more money off, off of less wine. It makes sense. All right. And now Joe, one last point before we get into this, before we get into the meat of this, before we get into category one, Megan brought this up, and I thought it was a very interesting point. So your friend Perry, who did the intro, is going to be featured throughout this podcast, speaks English and French, and I would say he does so fluently. What is the number one, if you could 
be fluent in two languages the way your friend Perry is fluent in English and French? Like, what are the best two languages in the world to be fluent in? Like, is it English and French? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it depends on where you live, first of all. I mean, if you want a serious answer, I think it depends on where you live. I think that obviously, I think in the U.S., the most useful language to have other than English is is Spanish by by a huge factor. Well, what do you think? Okay, what do you think the top five are worldwide? Like, okay, so I'll give okay, you. Okay, so definitely, I would say uh, Mandarin is probably like if you're talking worldwide is number one. So ma- uh, Mandarin and English, like, what's the combination? Oh yeah, I, I mean, okay, are yes. all of the top five and English? Yes, all the top five are and English. Okay. Uh, totally. Is that just a very ethnocentric viewpoint, or is that just right? No, I think English as a language is, like, very, like, it... That's got to yeah, be your secondary language. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I... You know, we're not talking about how the world should be, right? We're talking about how it actually is. Like, that's just... Yeah, that's the reality. So definitely Mandarin. I think probably French, like, is is in the top five, I think. Yeah, maybe it... Maybe you're right. Mandarin is probably first. Mandarin and English. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, like by pure volume of like the number of people, I guess like you could say Arabic because there's oh, a lot of, of Arabic speaking countries. That's valuable. But then you're going to have to be like a spy or something. Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, like my dad speaks Arabic and I don't think he's a spy. Oh, okay. I'll have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we may be onto something. <laughs> um, I mean, so there's okay, so there's Spanish, Arabic, Mandarin. Probably not. Probably not. I don't think you need Japanese anymore. Oh, Japanese I think um, would be really useful if you went to Japan. But I think Japanese now outside of Japan doesn't. The language doesn't seem to have spread very far. What's the primary language in India? I mean, is it? I, I mean, I know Hindi is popular, but I don't. I think India has a, a, a different languages for different regions. Yeah, um, I mean, just because there's a, like a shitload of people in India. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, I think we can all agree that Portuguese is not in the top five. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe there's just a top three. Maybe it is just English and Mandarin, English and Spanish, and English and French. And I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe in that, and then I think after that, maybe it just doesn't matter. What about German? Where do you think German ranks on the list? Mm. I mean, do other countries speak German outside of Germany, really? Mm-mm. No, no. What about Russian? Mm. That's, pro- that's probably up there. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. probably gets a slot. That probably gets a slot. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that, um, you know, French used to be like the international language of diplomacy. Yeah. And I think it might still even be like officially, but like my dad growing up, like he, he went to French schools in Egypt. Like that's what, like yeah. if you went to like an international school, it wasn't English. They spoke a lot of languages. English just happened to not be one of it, but that was a long time ago. And like now I think that has like just much like English has taken over that, that spot on the world stage for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I bring it up because France or French does seem like, it, it it is a global language, even though it is like not a global language, it, like not necessarily the way Spanish is. Yeah, well, no. And the other thing that you think about is like how much. So if you speak really fluent French, how much does that help you with other languages? Right, like like if you speak really fluent Spanish, I don't want to assume too much, but like my my assumption is you can kind of like 
understand a lot of Portuguese. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a, well, I wouldn't call him a friend, but somebody I know who speaks fluent Italian, and he says he can understand basically every romance language. Like, he says if somebody's speaking Spanish, he can 100% understand everything they're saying. He just right. can't speak to them the, the, the same. He doesn't know right. the words, but he can understand what they're saying. Because English is kind of useless that way. Like, speaking English doesn't help me understand any other language. Yeah, yeah, except for English. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see in Vancouver, you can barely understand Canadian English. <laughs> Be like, uh, put six Canadian Canadian dollars. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you speak French? Put this is confusing. Six Canadian dollars on eight. That, as long as they can understand that, I'm ready to go. All right, Joe. You're I think really we've settled there. it. Number one, Mandarin and English. Number two, Spanish and English. Number three, English and French. Yeah. Yep. Perry. That's number but, three. And I yep. think number mm-hmm. four. And, you know, number four, I'll give English and Russian. And number five, I'll give to your dad. The maybe spy, English and Arabic. I think that's I think fair. Arabic's very important. I think if yeah. somebody disagrees with that, they should send an email. But I, I honestly think that's that's right. I think I think that makes sense. I think I think maybe Arabic might be a little bit higher, but but you know I, I'd have to be looking at population numbers to know that for sure. Well, I'm just saying based on look, none of the Arab countries are hacking our elections, Joe. You know, I think you could actually even say number one in terms of just usefulness is Mandarin and English. Everything else is like not in ranked order. Those are the other four important ones, and they and they're kind of interchangeable. Oh, uh, all right. Well, let's see what the listeners have to say. Let's get into this. Now we're only one hour Let's into go. the podcast. Perfect. This is going to be the first three-hour episode, Dan. I know it. <laughs> yes. All right, Dan, I am ready to randomly shuffle the deck. I don't remember which categories we took out, so if I draw a card, Joe, there isn't a category. you don't shuffle it yet. We always do category number one first. All right. Which is, and, and actually, here's what I've decided, Joe. We've made category one, World Cup history, road to qualification, group, and too good, too bad. I think I should just do World Cup history, road to qualification, and group on their own. And then we get into number one, which is too good or too bad. And then that should always be first, though. And then to the randomization. Which is all a moot point. I'm just getting into it. Okay. World Cup history. I already talked about this a lot in the intro. But my God, if you want a roller coaster country. I mean, we, we've talked about countries before. And we talked about Brazil, which very famously has qualified for every single World Cup and basically has made it out of the group stage in 10 of the last 11 or whatever. And, and that's what you think about these top-tier teams. They're top-tier teams for a reason. How can you possibly win a World Cup and then not qualify? I, France is mind-boggling. I mean, this history is unbelievable. So France has played in the World Cup since the inaugural World Cup in 1930. And I don't think they were a particular powerhouse back then. So France in the 1930 World Cup finished seventh. And I don't even think they got out of the group. In 1934, they finished ninth. In 1938, hosted in France, by the way, they've hosted two World Cups. They finished sixth. Better, but not great. And then, obviously, World War II happened. Go to 1958, the World Cup in Sweden. They finished third. Very, very good showing, but they don't qualify for three out of the next four. Again, 
up and down team. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Then they come back. A little bit like my uh, Carolina Panthers, by the way. A little bit. And and this it might be because these teams of old were, were very star-powered. I don't know. But we go to 1978. They qualify again. Argentina, don't get out of the group. Then the next two World Cups. 1982, fourth place. 1986 in Mexico, third place. Then, how do you follow, Joe? How do you follow a fourth place and a third place finish in the World Cup? You don't qualify for the next two World Cups. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And and you don't qualify for the next two World Cups in a row. So what do you expect? Well, you win the next World You win the next World Cup. They host the 1998 World Cup, and they win it in, in famous fashion, beating Brazil 3-0 in the final, although it was not an easy road to the, to the final at all. They it beat Italy in penalty kicks. I think they take a Paraguay. They, it goes to extra time, and they win on a golden goal. It was it was not easy at all, but, but they win uh, 3-0 in the final. Unbelievable. So you win the World Cup on your home soil. How do you follow it up? They don't make the World Cup. They finish. That's nuts. It's insane. They don't win a single game. They have two losses and one draw in 2002 in the Japan-Korea World Cup. And so how do they follow it up in the 2006 World Cup? They make the World Cup final again. The famous final, Joe. The famous final that you were in Italy for and that, as Tony reminded me, I was in Chicago for and I was watching in this bar with a bunch of Italians, the famous Zidane headbutt. We all remember it. This team makes a final, and then how do they, how do they follow it up again? As I say in the intro, in 2010, they go the same as before: one draw and two losses. They don't make it out of the group. It's unbelievable. And to, like, can you imagine a team being good enough to make a World Cup final, and then twice? After that, not winning a single game in the World Cup, which is insane. It's insane. Especially the way World Cup draws are done. And then go to 2014 in Brazil. Uh, They actually have a fairly good World Cup. Uh, They face the team we were talking about last week, Nigeria. After the group stage in the round of 16, they beat Nigeria 2-0. And they played Germany in the quarterfinals. And they lost to Germany, a very close game, a game I watched. And was rooting heavily for France. Very tight, but they lost 1-0 to Germany. So, honestly, uh, it, it obviously wasn't one of their final performances. But I don't think they had a bad World Cup in their last one. It's a shame that they didn't have a bad World Cup because we could sort of go by like a pattern and say this one was going to be amazing then. But it's not really quite that clear. Well, the pattern does seem to be great then terrible then great then terrible and then their last one i would say was was middling and so who knows what you're going to get with this one but let's look a little bit at the road to qualification joe so they were a pot two team in uefa qualifying they came in ranked 22nd in the world and that put them in squarely in i would say the bottom half of pot two so they were put in group a aka the group of death Netherlands was the pot A team and uh, a very good squad with obvious World Cup pedigree. They were the pot B team. Sweden was the pot C team. And add to that Bulgaria, Luxembourg, and Belarus. A, a 
Not where you want to be if you're trying to qualify in UEFA, but guess what? They get off to a terrible start. Their first game's against the worst team, Belarus, and they have a nil-nil draw. Oh, no. And for whatever reason, this game's played in Romania. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. But anyways, then they went four in a row, hey, including a 1-0 win against Netherlands and a 2-1 win against Sweden. They're feeling very high, but then, up. They lose to Sweden. That's tough. Setback. But then, a 4-0 drubbing of the Netherlands. Draw with Luxembourg. 1-0 win over Bulgaria, which leads into the last game. So, right at this point, they have a one-point lead on the group. So, they're going to their last game against Belarus, the team they drew in the first game. They need a win. They qualify. And they did just that. They went pretty comfortably 2-1 against Belarus, I would say. And that was finally in Belarus, or no, that was in France? That was in France. So they play, you know, they they play um, in Belarus, which was in Romania, but the second game was in France. I think it was in their, like, Paris stadium, like it was in the, the Paris stadium or whatever it's called. They win the group, automatically qualify. They don't qualify with the highest goal differential. The highest goal differential was Sweden's, plus 17. They only had plus 12. They didn't have the most goals, and in fact, they had fewer goals in both Sweden and the Netherlands. But, Joe, you probably won't be surprised by this fact. They had by far the best defense, and and dare I say goalkeeper, and only allowed six goals in their oh, and who would this lovely goalkeeper be? Oh, I, Joe, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on the French team, but I'll say whoever it is, I think he's probably very good. So, Joe. And um, an amazing person and handsome. Okay. He's also the Tottenham goalkeeper, isn't he? He happens to be. Yes. Correct. Hugo Lloris. Lloris. Yes. Yes. So the top goal scorers in qualifying, Olivier Giroud with four and Antoine Griezmann with four. So again, this team, as it goes to qualifying, they're not scoring. I mean, if I don't, un, I, I'm not sure if the style in qualifying is necessarily what's going to translate to the World Cup. But it does seem this French team is very defense oriented, and yeah, they're yeah. not necessarily a huge goal scoring team. But this is, the, I think, this is the type of team that if they have a one goal lead, that that feels like a very solid lead. I would say. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, this is a, a team that is like chock full of talent, but also like a little bit like I don't want to totally say like Germany four years ago, but like kind of a young up and coming thing, like team. Like I mean, some of the some of the strikers that they're bringing are like not fully at the peak of their career yet, but this this World Cup might be where they start to peak for sure. Well, they are an up and coming team. So what group are they in? Group C, which we've gone over not once, but twice before. With No, we're almost done with Group C. Only one left that's coming up in the next group. France, of course, Denmark, Peru, and Australia. So as we went over it before, France, overwhelming, over, overwhelming favorites to win the group. 70% chance to win the group and a 90% chance to advance. And, you know, there's a real fight for the other team to advance. I I mean, Denmark is the clear second favorite, but both Peru and Australia really have a puncher's chance of advancing. And 
This is what 538 says about the group, which we already said in the Australia episode. Powerhouse France, coming off a loss in the finals of the 2016 Euros to Portugal, will be looking to move through and claim its second ever World Cup trophy. Peru, and it says basically, Peru has a, the, they think Peru has maybe a second best chance of advancing, but they have Peru and Denmark as very close, with Australia, the Socceroos, as a wild card team. Okay. Number one, too good, too bad. Joe, as this is just going by the betting odds, not by yeah, 538. I want, yeah, I want to hear the betting odds. Yeah. They have a 92% chance to make it out of group. This, this I, I don't know That's, the other ones, but this might be the... As much a lock as anything. This yeah. might be the biggest lock in the, the tournament. 67% chance to make the quarterfinals. 44.5% chance to make the semifinals. 25% chance to make the finals and 13.5% to win, which puts their overall odds at 5.5 to 1, which is the third highest in the World Cup. Yeah, that's a very, very high odds. If yeah. you look at the top six teams, they can be, and, and really beyond that, there's a first tier of teams that are all have very close odds. Then there's a second tier of teams that all have very close odds. And then there's sort of a drop off between there's a drop off between the first tier and the second tier and there's a drop off between the second tier and basically everybody else. So, in the first tier, we've already done one of the teams, Brazil, and we're doing the other team, France. So, there's one other mystery team, who could it be, Joe? Could be anybody, but we don't know. We don't know. Could be anybody. We'll get to them when we get to them. But that's the top tier. So, in the second tier, it's Argentina, Plus, two mystery teams, Joe, although one of them is coming up in our next five, but no spoilers. But but basically, as we've done this far, Brazil and France are, are, are clear tournament favorites. I mean, you could say that any of these top three teams, Brazil, France, and the mystery team, are tournament favorites. Then you've got the real people who have an absolute shot at it, Argentina, and then the two mystery teams, one of which we're doing in the next top five. And then really after that, after those top six, it really is a, a, a drop-off, I would say. Th- those teams still have a shot, but but they're not big favorites. So this is really, along with Brazil, according to the betting odds, a top, top, top tier favorite team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, I think that, that France is... A team that early on, if if I didn't know the betting odds, or if I didn't know the um, like the hype surrounding this team, I would have said like, "Oh, France actually might be like, you know, don't sleep on France. Everyone's kind of looking at Germany and Brazil, but like France could be pretty good." But now I think everyone's saying that, and like in a way, France I think is actually like a little overrated right now. I think they're good, but I think that like, um. Pogba is not having a good. I mean, like I think that like they're they're they they went from sleeper to almost like favorite, and it does feel a little bit like they're too good, or at least maybe not even like too good in terms of their quality, but too good in terms of their hype. You think they're too um, overrated? They're too overrated, and like you know, part of the too, too not too good, not too bad categories. I don't want to make like a total cliche pick. And I don't want to be called a glory chaser. And I feel like France right now, I think the hype surrounding them, 
you know, you know, a year ago wasn't like this, but I think after like, you know, because they had a good Euro two years ago, because that, that sort of that, that hype has just grown over time. I think they may be a little too good, but still you given like the world cup history, it would be like they're, you know, they are an exciting team and a high variance team, just like my, my Carolina Panthers, which I do like. So, uh, I'm going to say six and a half out of 10, a little too good. Six and a half. I, I think that's a fair score. You gave Brazil a six. So I think France is a little different than Brazil because you really never know what they're going to get. Like, right, right. You right. like their favorites to get out of the group. But if they like didn't qualify out of the group because of some, <laughs> right. who knows? Right. If they lost every game, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be too big a shock. All right. I, I, great start. I don't think we're quite at the Zidane kicking somebody in the nuts level, but. It's it's not a huge start for France. So so let's see what's next. What's the next category, Joe? <sighs> All right, Dan. Tell me tell me which cards I should take out of here. Tell me what categories are still in play. Just pick a card. I'll tell you if it's in play. Categories two, five, and ten are out of play. Category five. That's out of play. Category. Category eleven. Category eleven. All right, Joe. I wonder if the super fans at home are just hoping their category gets picked first so they can stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> please just let me yeah, please just let me go to bed. Anyways, category number 11. Super fan and bachelor party MVP potentially, Tony PhD. The origin story of the French national anthem. The song was written in 1792 by Claude Joseph Rouget de Liesel in Strasbourg, oh my god, I already love Whoa. it. I love Strasbourg. After the declaration of war by, the, by France against Austria, the Marseille was a revolutionary song, an anthem to freedom, a patriot called to mobilize all dissidents, and an exhortation to fight against tyranny and foreign invasion. The French National Convention adopted it as the Republic's anthem in 1795, and after losing some status under Napoleon, was restored as France's anthem in 1879 to present. It acquired its nickname after being sung in Paris by volunteers from the Marseille Marching Band to the capital. The song is the first example of the European march anthemic style. The lyrics. Tony qualifies them as bloodthirsty. The roar <laughs> of those ferocious soldiers. They're coming right into your arms to cut the throats of your sons, your women to arms, citizen form your battalions. Let's march. Let's march. Let an impure blood soak our fields. That can't be the anthem. I, that's what it is. Oh my God. I I mean, I'm reading this. Wow. That's, that's bad. Interesting facts. The French national anthem appears in many English-language films, including the 1942 classic Casablanca. Lennon-McCartney used a few bars from La Marseille at the beginning of All You Need Is Love. Mm-hmm. The day after the Paris terror attacks in 2015, the Metropolitan Opera in New York City opened its matinee performance of a rendition of Placido Domingo, Marchand, Marchands. Yeah, I think this is the first anthem that I could. I think I can hum without... Hearing it, that, that we actually 
like I, like I know this kind of going in. Well, before I get into it, we've got an email from Bez. Bez did post on the Reddit, but he already he sent an email in the past, and he wanted to say, "Is there a better national anthem than the French one? I don't think so. I listen to a lot of classical music, but the only country anthem that makes my playlist is La Marseille. I challenge yeah. anyone to not be inspired or stirred into action by the song Marchands, Marchands. What history? What passion? Love it, Bez." Also, I wish I hadn't turned off the uh, microphone. After we were uh, recording, I was telling Perry about the other categories, and he started singing the national anthem for me. Well, this national anthem, Tony, he normally sends me a rendition of every national anthem, but this one meant so much to him. Or or maybe it's just so famous that he sent an email and he said, scrap the original rendition I sent you. I found the rendition of it that I think you need to play, and I've sent it to you. And let's listen to it. It's long, but look. Hey, we're not going to make it to three hours on this podcast without a long national anthem, so it's doing its part.
Beautiful, Dan. The lyrics of this are insane. <laughs> we will enter the pit when our elders are no longer there. There, we will find their dust and the traces of their virtues. Much less eager to outlive them than to share their casket, we will have the sublime pride of avenging them or following them. Holy shit. Yeah, that's tough. This is insane. Imagine if the United States anthem was like, we will vanquish. Uh, I mean, what what is ours? Oh, say can you. It's I mean, like, this is like a, a, a direct threat. Everyone is a soldier to combat you. <laughs> if they fall, our young heroes, the earth will produce new ones ready to fight against you. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I understand in like 1792 why that's a good anthem to have to sort of like deter people. And I think one of the Scandinavian anthems was like this, but. Well, or the Polish one, which was literally calling out every country that they were going to try and fuck up. Yeah. It was like, don't mess with us. Yeah. But France. We're, we're looking at you, Germany. Prussia, we're looking at you. It's just crazy. Going into this podcast, I would never have guessed that the French national anthem was literally <laughs> telling. <laughs> generations that they wanted to not outlive the future generations because they were willing to die in fighting people for the for the opportunity for to slit the throat of i mean <laughs> to, to cut the throats of your sons and your women it's just i mean it's flat out your women we're gonna we're gonna slit their throats and so we're, we're reading this as a translation but for them they're singing this like they know what they're singing oh no i mean that's the funny thing right like like for us, you listen to that and it sounds like a very normal national anthem. And it's like, honestly, we used this word last week in a negative way that it wasn't this. But like, it's sort of jaunty. It's a jaunty national anthem. Oh, it's, it's sort of lovely. like peppy. It's peppy, but it's peppy talking about drinking the blood of your enemies. Now that we've heard so many, like it's clearly not like one of the South American opera anthems. But at the no. same time, like this is of all the anthems I've heard, I think the one that is a... I think part of it is because they said, or Tony said that it's like the Beatles have used it, but like so many parts of this seem so familiar. Like this is such a, whatever the music in this has been imitated so many times. Like this is, this music's already part of my consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful in that way. But now to, to read what the lyrics are. I like it. Nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> it's the highest score by far. I think well-deserved. A good song, recognizable song. It's jaunty. It's distinct. It's old. Like, it's been around for a while, and it is fucking hardcore. Oh, and also, and also, add to that the fact that, like, you look at the lyrics of half these things, and it's like, oh, our proud country with, you know, rich soil and blah. This is like, no, we are going to slit your children's throats. And the women, Joe. Don't forget about the People in France are singing this. Slit the women's throats? That's crazy. <laughs> That's what they're singing as they stand up before a fucking rugby game. I love it. I love it. Oh, I'm in. My God. Dan, I mean, do you do you not agree with that ranking? How could I argue? I, I you've your second highest score is Uruguay with nine, which has an unbelievable history, but I I I can't I can't argue with it. All right, Dan. Category three. Category three, food and couponing, Joe. Let's uh, head to a pre-tape. Here we go. It's a bit of a wild card. Food and couponing. And I'll explain couponing. couponing. So, you know, just this was one of those categories that developed with the podcast. 
people have an interest in, in how much the country appreciates the use of a good coupon. So I'm going to read what fans emeritus, fan emeritus Emily sent in. Mm-hmm. France. Coupon is pronounced coupon. In fr- how would you pronounce coupon, coupon. in French? Coupon. Okay. It's a, it's, it seems like one of those words that could have like a French have, root, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. They have Groupon. So you would pronounce it Groupon. Groupon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> France primarily uses coupons for discounts on clothing, travel, and fitness. Okay. So that's that's a, agreed, yeah. that's it on, on coupon. Do you remember using coupons at all as a kid? No. Your mom cutting coupons? No. no. Okay. The, see, I think it's changed because back when I was a kid, you would go to the butcher. You would go to... The baker, you would go all these things. You didn't have big stores like they have now. Now they have the big stores like we do where you can pick up your food, your clothes, and everything. Like the Fred Meyer equivalent, basically. So then I think those have coupons. But the the biggest thing that's... You're not going to have a coupon for your local butcher shop, though. Exactly, yeah. By the way, I think Perry grew up in like the 1840s. (laughs) Like, like, has, has, was, was France that like, like small town feel like up until like, like 20 years ago? It's crazy to me. Hey, Joe, you're the interviewer. Why didn't you stop him and ask him these questions? Now you're just making fun of him on the podcast? You monster. I, I, I'm just saying. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that did surprise me when I came to the States, and if I recall correctly, is that there's sale on food, like two for one and all that stuff. And that yeah. was a big surprise because in France, when I grew up, there wasn't – the price is the price and you pay it. You, uh, that's it. There's no yeah. like little tags that tell you – but now, is it is it a, is it a haggling culture? Could you go in and like say to the butcher, like, no, that's too much? Yeah, but you know, you create a relationship with your butcher, right? So yeah. he'll like, you know, you'll be at three pounds and he'll he'll charge you two and a half or whatever. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. throw in a little bit extra. I mean, I remember yeah. the butcher would throw an extra meat for the cats or whatever. Like, yeah, there was a little bit. Like my mom would just cook up that the little pieces of chicken that you, the butcher can sell, and he would just oh my god, this is like a stereotypical yeah. French thing to happen. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Cooking up chicken from the, <laughs> for the cats, for the cats. from the butcher. Um, you know, that, that was like that's. I think that was the. It's changed. The culture has changed because, like I said, I I was there from fourteen months old to eighteen, mm-hmm. and so that was my experience. And, and I left in ninety six. So lots. So changed. that is a big change. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you come. But you go back. I mean, not not frequently. Yeah. But you've been back for like long yeah. periods of time. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen. I mean, I have seen the sales on the on the food now, and maybe that's the stuff I wasn't paying attention to. Yeah. And that it was actually there, but I didn't, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, so, so let's talk about the food. Yeah. The culinary capital of the world, France is nothing short of food and drink indulgences. Grab a bottle of wine and a baguette with cheese, meats. We just talked about that. That's what we should have done. Yeah. Dijon. And you have yourself a nice little meal. Get some beef burgundy or cocovin. Am I saying that Cocovin, right? yeah. Cocovin. Okay. Uh, to fill you up or stop at a stand and get a crip with Nutella and a croque monsieur? Croque monsieur, yeah. Okay. Grilled ham and cheese sandwich, Emily basically, says. Basically, basically. The country is the basis for much of the westernized palate. That's a that's a bold statement. Mm-hmm. And all things fine dining. Spend all your hard-earned money on an expensive truffle, pate, champagne, or culinary experience with a world-renowned chef. You'll gain 10 pounds in the country, but you will be happy. That sound right? I don't know about the ten pounds. I think if you eat, ah, I think if you eat okay. like a French person, if you eat like an American, and you go to France, then maybe because the portions are pretty, pretty well. I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's probably changed. Yeah, I think that they're probably doing a lot bigger servings. But back when I was a kid, it's about everything was in balance, right? You would mm-hmm. have the cheese, you would have the salad, you would everything was 
had its place and and there was no having seconds it was you just had what you were served and yeah, that was it exactly yeah okay so all those things that she lists are those things that you've had, that you've had beef burgundy yeah cocova yeah cocova I've seen you have croque monsieur. Yeah, yeah. croque monsieur. I mean, croque monsieur. So here's the difference. It's is it a grilled cheese sandwich with with ham ham grilled cheese sandwich? Not really, because what they do is they put this little bechamel in there. That's what makes it a croque monsieur. What's bechamel? So bechamel, it's like the flour mixed with it's it's a cheesy sauce. Okay. So okay. you would make that sort of cheesy sauce. You would put the the ham. So we're not talking about like craft singles here. Inside no, the no, okay. no. Club, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Velveeta. <laughs> Velveeta is French, right? I don't know, maybe that's Italian. I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't know. I think it's Italian. I think I've seen the little the little flag on there. Okay. So so now, how did Emily do with this research? You think this is pretty spot on, or yeah? I mean, other than the the description. No, the I think no, I think it's I think she's I think it's true. Yeah. Okay. So I have some questions about French food now. I was thinking about what Emily was saying that it's very um, a lot of Western food is based on this. So I have some questions about whether or not. Some of the things that she mentioned are actually French. Yeah. Could we, have, we, we call a lot of things French. French fries is not French. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you. If Go ahead. You, if you ate these when you were in France. Okay. French fries. I did eat them, but they're not French. They're, they're not French. Belgium. Okay. Origin, originally. From what, I, from what I remember, they were actually originated in Belgium. But they speak French in Belgium. In Belgium, yes, they do. Okay. And it could have been at the border, right? Because who That's knows? True. It's yeah. a blurry line. Depends. There. Like pre-World War I. Was yeah. It? yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so that's, a, that's a maybe. Yeah, that's a maybe, yeah. Okay. French bread. Definitely. Definitely? Yeah, I mean, it, it, so French bread, What's what do you call French bread? Baguette? Yeah. Because there's, there's also the bread. I would say any bread that has a crust over it. Like the hard outside the hard and like crust, the sort of like, yeah, would like very, spongy inside. Yeah. Yeah. French toast. Yes, but French toast is actually called uh, pain perdu, which is lost bread. Lost bread. And that's how it happens. Because you use stale bread, right? Yeah, you use the stale bread and then you get a second life out of it. God, oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay, French onion soup. Yes, that's French, definitely. Yeah. Now, is French onion soup, is it called like a French onion and then you make a soup out of it or is it just, is it like we onion We call soup? it soup à l'oignon. Just onion, onion soup. soup. Yeah. Right, because you're not going to call it French Exactly, onion. yeah. Okay, okay, Although, what about like a French dip sandwich? It's like... Pri- this, the French dip sandwich, I don't think originated in France. Yeah. I don't think, because you use that sauce and it's sort of a... I. But it's possible. I don't. I don't remember having French dip sandwiches in France. French dips are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. But I don't. But I remember because it's it's the juice right that's cooked off the meat right. Is that what the yeah French yeah dips yeah are? yeah. So I don't. I don't recall having it in France, but I do recall having it in the states. So I don't. I don't. It's it's sort of blurry. It might have been an American food they were trying to like class up. Yeah, it might have been, or it could have been something that you know. So I'm not sure. Is it going to be here tomorrow? Okay. Last one, last question. Yeah. French kissing. Is it actually French? I mean, of course I'm going to say yes. <laughs> but um, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to, to the origin of that, actually. I'd be interested in finding out a little bit more of the origin of why French know. kissing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's say yes. I mean, did you learn Let's to French kiss in France? Uh, I did. So then for you. For me, yes. Might as well be. Yes, okay. might as well be. All right. Okay, that... That's helpful. Okay, so now we, we give everything a one through ten score. Okay. Probably Dan and I will talk about it on the podcast too. But just out of curiosity, like, what would you you think France is a ten out of ten in terms of food and couponing? We know they coupon. So, that's so good. couponing. See, I didn't do the see, but see, I was so young, right? So that's the other thing too. It's, I keep coming back to that because I didn't buy my own clothes, you know, when I was 
Okay, so forget the couponing part. So food, food wise, yeah. Food. You think ten out of ten? Yeah, and it's but it's changing also because now they have all the influences of all the other countries. I mean, they have all the Moroccan. I had great Moroccan food because there are so many Moroccans who live in France, and my neighbors were Moroccan, so it's true. Last time I was in France, I had like really good like kebab. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that as far as the actual. (laughs) (laughs) That's gonna be helpful. Oh, Desmond. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the food, French food is amazing. There's no, there's yeah. no doubt about it. But it's kind of hard to be, and especially like the world influence of French food. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they use it in a lot of other cultures. I mean, it's and the French had colonies, and you know, it's sort of how it works, right? I mean, the I mean, you go, you go to Vietnam, and you'll get a lot of great French food because there were. You go to New Orleans, right? And yeah. like Cajun so, food is like influenced by French yeah, food. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Des. Des, you gotta stop. It's not okay. I'm gonna put you outside. This is Joe's like. Desmond, your dad's gonna job. be uh, famous. <laughs> it's his future job. Okay. Is this your future job, Joe? Is this is this what you've been training for your whole life? This is it. This is it, Dan. Joe, I don't, I don't want to make you feel bad, but we have like a hundred listeners, and that's it. And it's actually been shrinking as the podcast series has been going on. <laughs> and so far, like. What's the opposite? What's the opposite of monetizing something? <laughs> like <laughs> this bike is costing so much money to produce. <laughs> it's insane. Um, I didn't buy the cognac. I was like, I'm not buying cognac <laughs> for this because I think cognac is like expensive, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's not that expensive. Well, but yeah, I was like, it, I'm it, saving it, twenty cheap. bucks. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um, I think French food is great, and especially just when you think about like the like Perry and I talked about the world influence. I think the couponing, it sounds like couponing is a more recent thing there, but um, Joe, I once went to you in Seattle to your butcher and I felt like your butcher who knew you would throw you a little extra. I know. And they went out of business. So, you know, it, it, it's obviously but they went work out of business States. in the weirdest possible way where they just like kept the storefront, but then just had a sign that was like, Please come back later. Oh no! It was a it was a big story. Like the lady who owned it, they were in massive debt, and she just like fled. They locked the doors. I mean, it's still it's still an empty storefront right it's now. It's crazy. With, like, all with like all their shit still inside in America. Yeah, I don't know how you beat France. I don't think you can like score this too highly. Uh, I think it's a let's say nine and a half out of ten. Same as the anthem, Joe. What's next? Category six. And Joe, straight to the pre-tape. <laughs> and this, I would say, having, of course, previously listened and edited all, all the pre-tapes, this is the longest, but I think one of the most interesting. So here we go. Fan culture. Thanks to Super Fan Yannick. We're going to talk about fan culture. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read what uh, our fans emeritus um, sent in for fan culture. Okay. So David. nicknames. Le Bleu. Le Bleu. Le Bleu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to try. That's good. You're, you're doing good. Equipa Tricolore. L'Equipe Tricolore. Oh, my. You're almost I doing Italian out. there. L'Equipe <laughs> Tricolore. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, that's good. It. I can do Italian well. Yeah. The Tricolored Team. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, which like every team is tricolored, mm-hmm. so it's not really that impressive. Yeah. And then what's with the with the cock? I. No but idea. there is. That's it's like a, the every team. Yeah, every yeah. every team has that. Rugby team, soccer team. All right. Well, maybe maybe uh, our research will explain. I haven't read this yet. Football is considered the sport of the working class. Bourgeois don't like to admit to follow football too. Still, football is very popular in France. No, I, I, I should I should say, our our fan culture research is done by a German. Oh. So I don't know if this is going to influence your take yeah. on it. Still, football is very popular in France, but many fans think. It gets worse because of corruption and selfish players. In recent years, the French national team has had so many scandals, the bad image of the national team has divided the country. Um, when they lose, it divides the country. When they win, no one cares. Hmm. That's how I'll put it. Because it's true. The one, you know, when they win, everybody's happy. Everybody's on the bandwagon. But when they lose, they try and point fingers at everybody. And it's always like this guy's fault or that guy's fault. Yeah. Or it's the coach's fault. Yeah. But the, the scandals were pretty terrible. Like the one at the World Cup a couple years, a couple World Cups ago. That was, was pretty it. Dan bad. headbutted. Uh, no. no, the one oh, when the coach, oh, they, yeah. the players decided not to. Well, I mean, that was bad. It, that it, was bad. It, it definitely represents France, though, because striking is in their culture, and so <laughs> you know the players went on strike and they didn't want to practice. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was like a labor action, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I think that yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I think that that there's definitely. There's definitely the pride, and when they're winning, everybody's happy. It's all and, great. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I would say it's not like that in a lot of other countries. I would say, I mean, at least it's not like that here. Now, now, did you watch? I mean, I assume you watched the World Cup game where Zidane mm-hmm. had the famous headbutt. Yeah. Now I know we've talked about this. You like love Zidane. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably one of the greatest. I think that that action was pretty bad, but yeah. you know, in the heat of the moment, I mean, you look at a lot of players. I mean, I'm just thinking about. I mean, the Seattle fans here with Sherman mouthing off on the microphone after, you know, the, what was yeah. it? The, I think it was the, the semifinal, whatever it was, you know, with Crabtree, like, or he was talking in his ear or something. It's the same thing. I mean, Zidane was on the pitch and there was, uh, uh, Matarazzi, yeah. right? Didn't he say that it was like a racial thing too? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't mean, remember your what sister it was. Yeah. or whatever. I mean, who yeah. knows? No, no one will ever know. But, you know, you get, it was it was a tense game, right? There was no one had scored, or right, or there was. Yeah, no, I mean it was tied, right? It, it went into overtime and yeah. penalty shootout, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it was close. I mean, I was in Italy for that game. Yeah, yeah, I was in, I was here in the states, and I couldn't. I was it was a shocker. Yeah. But. Now, now you've been in France for several World Cups. Mm-hmm. What is it like during the World Cup time? Like, like is, is it like everyone's watching, or like what's the what's the atmosphere like? Yeah, I think everybody's watching. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the bourgeois are not watching, I, I Do you agree know. with that? Or is no, that, everybody yeah. watches. Everyone watches. No. I mean, everybody has... A, I mean, I, it's a sport that everybody watches. What, now, there are other popular sports. Like, so, like, I know tennis is... Like, they have French mm-hmm. Open, whatever. Yeah. Um, is, like, rugby... Po- like, like, what else is popular in France? Yeah, rugby is pretty big. Yeah. And, but it's the same thing. It's, it's a bit like when the team does really well, people will jump on the bandwagon. But there are the, the real fans. For example, rugby is... I mean, they have a huge fan base. Yeah. And it crosses over. I mean, the people who like... The, a lot of people like all sports, so they'll yeah. just be watching a lot of rugby and a lot of football. But football is the national sport? Would yeah, I would probably say. Yeah. And now, now who who would you consider a bigger rival for France? Germany or Italy? I think the biggest rival is Italy. Yeah? I think Italy's always the... And because we've, it's always come down to... 
we've played Italy in the finals of so many big yeah. games that it's. I think that's why. You know, we, we. I think we've probably played Italy more times than Germany. I don't know what the numbers are, but it'd be know. interesting to find out. But I think we probably played Italy more than, and at least in bigger, higher profile yeah, finals. Yeah, exactly yeah. in the finals. I remember being in Italy, and this is not this is a little bit about France, more about Italy. But I remember being in Italy for the World Cup, and I remember um, an Italian person was talking about the importance of 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 the World Cup run, and this was before the France game, and the, and and Italy had beaten Germany in the semifinal, mm-hmm. and I remember. Um, what she said was she said, you know, we have a rivalry with France, but it's like a rivalry with your cousin. Exactly, yeah. But with Germany, we hate Germany. Yeah. And it was like, like they don't, that they consider French to just be like so similar to Italians in so many ways that they were like, yeah, that's just like the way that like siblings fight or whatever. Yeah. But Germany, like, fuck them, you know? Yeah. Um, so is that, is that similar with France or, or, or you think that they just hate, hate both? Yeah, I, I, I see that probably. I think that the it's probably right because we're. I think the Germans are always have a chance. Yeah. If we're talking about football, the Germans are always going to be. Yeah. They always have a chance of winning. So I think that's a little bit frustrating for everybody else in Europe. But, um, but with the Italians, yeah, it's a little bit like sometimes you know, they the suck, two right? brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, exactly. And sometimes the French are terrible and the Italians are terrible. I think so. I think that there is that rivalry, and then the Germans are always a tough team. So I think. Probably both nations probably don't like playing them or don't like, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could extrapolate it to the history and everything, but I don't know that that has anything to do with it. Anymore. Yeah, it's separate. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the war, I mean, most of that generation's passed away anyway. So it's a long time ago. Yeah. So, so, so this World Cup, when there's actually a chance that they're going to do well, mm-hmm. you think the country kind of rallies around the team when they're good like this? Yeah. 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 I yeah. think, I mean, I can see it with my own family that's still back in France. Yeah. That they won't even follow it when there's all these problems and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll hear, oh, this player's uh, whatever. And then all of a sudden he does great in the World Cup and he's a hero. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's <laughs> I think that happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. It does seem like there's a lot more drama surrounding the French team than other teams at times. Like, you know, yeah. you were talking about in the World Cup where there was basically like a labor dispute yeah. during the World Cup. Yeah. It's like, how does that happen? Well, and the whole Benzema and, and the other player. I mean, all of those things. Yeah, headbutting people. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, and I don't know if it's if it's because they're more in the spotlight. I don't know. It's just or they just love that. I don't know. The French might just like drama. So you say notable scandals: Kareem Benzema blackmailed teammate yeah. Bob Buena Mats- over a Mats- sex Mats- tape. Yeah. Buena, oh yeah. my god! Okay, uh, the Nisna case. I don't know what this is. Yeah, the, the revolt the of the high, national team the and the trainer process, during the World Cup two thousand ten. Yeah, the high end like escort. Okay, but this is, but hopes are high for France to win the World Cup. Many consider. The national team is one of the most talented in recent years, what you were saying. But they dislike the coach, Didier Deschamps. Deschamps, Deschamps. And he was one of the players who won the World Cup with Zidane and Leblanc. But but he's not popular, apparently? or I don't know if he's not popular. I mean, the problem, here's the problem. So is he not popular? What I, my question is, if, on that fact, is is it is he not popular in the eyes of the players or in the eyes of the nation? I don't know. Yeah, because probably that's an like the eyes of the nation, from what because, you're saying. Yeah. Because the nation... The nation sees players like Benzema, right? Benzema, yeah. I, and I, I loved watching him play, but does he deserve to be on the team? Maybe not. And people yeah. were like, well, Benzema is one of the best players at La Liga in Real Madrid, and you're not going to put him on the roster? Yeah. Same thing. Payet, same thing. Is he, why is he not on the roster? I mean, those yeah. are the questions. So maybe, so maybe you're saying the manager is making unpopular choices. Maybe, yeah. But they might be right. They might be the right choices. Yeah. I mean, he's done pretty well. I mean, look at the Euro. I think the Euro was a good demonstration. I think... 
I was actually surprised they lost to Portugal. Yeah. Not to take it away from Ronaldo no, because Ronaldo's yeah, they, an amazing totally. player. Okay. Uh, and I think, but but here's the question: that I, th- I think that they were ready. I think that they were playing with Ronaldo in mind, and when they took that, then they were like, "Well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. There's not this great player to that's going to be controlling the game. How? And that's probably how they lost the yeah. finals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was also you know you could have played that final ten times and they probably would have won you know yeah I so. mean it's so many missed opportunities and so many goals that, were, that should have been goals that were so close and almost bad luck right it became but this is a good drink yeah it's not bad actually yeah. I think we might have to switch to that from, from <laughs> yeah. whiskey it's gonna keep cost it, us keep a lot keep it classy more. keep it classy yeah so so what would you rate the fan culture for France I mean knowing that there's you know I'm, I am comparing it to teams like Brazil where they're like you know like they they expect only championships from their team or like you know even like um countries like uruguay where the whole country shuts down when you know when the world yeah. game is on but like what do you where do you think france ranks i think in they're probably of, an eight because i don't think that okay. the country shuts down and i don't think that i mean there's some people who definitely don't care about football yeah and um but i think yeah i think probably an eight i mean it's fascinating dan revisiting my conversation with perry after now knowing more about the World Cup history of France, because it kind of makes sense, like why a team would, why a fan base would be sort of like hot and cold on their team, or like you know, ready to like write off the World Cup and like not even be paying that much attention if the team's bad, but like suddenly get on the bandwagon and be invested when they're in because it's like, well, because half the time your team is terrible and, and, and there's no I like. Think, I think it's like half the time the team writes off the team. The half the time the team's like. <laughs> Right, the team decides to only like really France compete clearly like has every other talent to like make it out of the group. I think it's just sometimes they just the team. I mean, you're talking about the team striking or whatever. Like yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It just makes me think that um, that the fan culture is is a response to what's happening on the field, not like the sort of way that France always is. And I think that that makes a lot more sense. I think Perry's eight recommendation is a little bit generous. I think that. Um, there's probably less excitement around this fan culture than there is with other teams that are maybe scrappier or more like beloved by their country Um, or like Brazil aren't more beloved, but have at least like a higher consistent expectation. Uh, So I'm going to say six and a half out of 10. Six and a half. I think it's a fair score. We do have to talk about that. Six and a half is bearing in mind the kit, which is very, very nice. That's true. Which doesn't get in that. And I almost might add to the section of the flag because I, I recently listened to a podcast about flags, and now I know a lot about flags. And though the the French flag was not the first tricolor flag, it is and still is the most famous tricolor flag. And boy, the French flag is just fucking awesome. Like it is. So my so a, my dismissal of Perry when he says that the nickname is the tricolor is it's like oh everyone has three colors. Shut up. Everybody does, not. but it was like, and again, they weren't the first, but when they did it, France was such an important country at the time. They basically, the French flag is the most famous tricolor flag. And again, they picked the most premium colors. Like, it's it's not a coincidence that the American flag is red, white, and blue. Like, All right. Next up, we have category four. All right. Not a pre-tape. I think that's it for the pre-tapes. No, no, I think that is it for the pre-tapes. Oh, no, no, no. I have a I have a final pre-tape before you make your final score. But anyways, Joe, this is an exciting one. Category 4. Top player to watch from 
the fan, the, the fan emeritus who you give credit to all of the ones from, David, PhD, thank you. It is Killian Mbappe. Mm-hmm. He plays for Perry's own Paris Saint-Germain, 19 years old, a winger and a striker. David says, David, also a German. This is important, coming from him. He says, France, based on individual players, probably the favorite to win the title, has a number of young, exciting talent. As offensive players, Dembele, Coman, Marshall, and Limar are all 22 years old. However, the youngest one is potentially the most exciting of all of them. Mbappe is very fast, has good dribbling, is already physically strong, and has a great finish. He made his debut in League One at 16 years old and 347 days, the youngest player ever to date. Mbappe is clearly one of the three most exciting players for this category. He's technically only on loan from Monaco, with the option to buy him for a scant 180 million euros. No one expects PSG not to transfer him after the loan is over. His father is from Cameroon, and his mother is from Tunisia, but whatever. He plays for France. In FIFA 18, Joe, get this. His skill, current skill, 84. His potential, 94. David gives his rating a 10 out of 10. His highest rating to date. He is a very exciting player to watch. He, I mean, I almost feel like this is like, I would call this cheating on David's part because this is by far, he's giving us the best player to watch that we've ever had. Because usually it's like a little bit of a... Have you ever ever heard of this player before? Oh, 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 absolutely. 100%. Okay. Am I pronouncing his name right? Uh... I actually don't know how to pronounce his first name, so I don't know about that, but Mbappe, you've been saying it Okay, right. good. Yeah. Um, he is um, so good. There was so much talk he's about him. He's 19 years old, to... and he's so good, like, you know about him? Yes. Oh, Because in soccer, I mean, that's very unusual for a teenager to be so good. Well, except that he's been already playing for three years professionally because <laughs> he started so young. No, but I mean, you know, the thing about him, too, he also um, – was a huge um, bit of like transfer um, news this summer. Like every team, because Mon- he was too good for Monaco. Monaco is like, has a, has a decent sized payroll. They're fine. But like the French league is not on par with the other leagues other than PSG, which has become this like huge spending club. But they're really becoming this huge spending club to compete in champions. Yeah. And on the world stage. Uh, so. So he was not going to stay at Monaco, and more or less every team wanted him. Obviously, you know, there was like the odd Spurs rumor, which was completely absurd. Um, PSG won the sweepstakes with obviously a ton of money um, invested in it. But uh, he's great. He's going to have a really good career, and he's like a super exciting player too. Um, So I don't think that David's actually cheating because even though this player is very good, he's given us the youngest player on the team. So it is still an up-and-comer. I would add to that that not only is Hugo Lloris a very popular Spurs player, but he is captain of the Spurs team 
and he's captain of the French team. Whoa, 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 whoa. Joe, you're going out of yes. bounds here. I mean, I don't think you counted Ericsson when we did the last— I did. I talked about Ericsson. I talked about Ericsson. Okay. As an extra bonus, the French national team is captained by the same player as my favorite squad. That's got to be worth something. All right. What could be higher than this? <laughs> I think it has to be a 10 out of 10. I mean, the other thing, and you know, Perry talked about this a little bit, but their coach is like committing to the young players. He is not bringing, though he, there, there was rumor now that he might bring Benzema, but, but he's not bringing the old veterans because he is committing to this young team. It is exciting. 10 out of 10. Let's just do it. Let's do it. I don't want to do it, but, but let's do it. Joe, if by the end of this podcast series, every category doesn't have a 10 out of 10, then you've been rating things incorrectly. There needs to be a 10 out of 10. I, I guess this is it. Okay. Um, wow. Next I, up, I Dan. I need to watch this guy. Mbappe. Oh, you got to watch this uh, highlight reel. Okay. Next up is the Joker. It's not my favorite category, but I want to go with atrocities because I, I want to get that out of the way now so we can end on a light note. Atrocities. Thanks to super fan Josh PHC. And by the way, I hope this information is okay to release on the podcast, but I don't know. But Josh is writing a book and he's just submitted, I think, the, the, the final version of it or something. I know it gets edited before it gets to our, our shelves, but all the super fans out there, when that book is released, we all need to buy a copy. We need to get Josh Absolutely. onto the first page of the New York Times bestsellers list. So Josh's book can be our second sponsor, <laughs> our, our second free sponsorship. His book is, it, it's going to be an awesome book. It, it's good. What is it about? Well, we can, we can do a segment on Josh's book later. Yeah. If you want. Well, we'll do it when it, when it's final. It's, it's good. I, I, whenever you read I these books it. by historians, you just learn so much about everything. Like we, I mean, in this podcast, we go over history of these countries. And, of course, we're skipping America because they didn't qualify for the World Cup. But, my goodness, like, there's so much they don't teach in schools about the actual what happened in America because it's people, like, don't want to know it. If Josh's book writing is even half as good as this fan emeritus research, we should all be reading that book the day it comes out. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's significantly better. But, anyways, let's just get into it. France. <laughs> like most Western European countries, has ample historical atrocities on which one could focus, ranging from the colonial period through the Vichy regime in World War II. I'm going to focus on the Algerian War from 1954 to 1962, which is perhaps the low point in the history of post-World War II France. The North African country of Algeria was considered by the French to be an actual part of their country, continuous but not for the Mediterranean. And French officials imposed a pretty unequal colonial regime in Algeria. Complicating this story were the roughly 800,000 ethnically French colonists, known as Pied Noir, who occupied Algeria for generations and viewed themselves as native to the region. When the Algerian Arabs sought independence, the French government and Pied Noir were not pleased. A violent independence struggle followed that nearly resulted in a 1958 coup within France. It's all pretty crazy. Suffice it to say that Algeria eventually won its independence and the whole thing did not look good for France. But yet, Josh puts the atrocity level at 
what I would say is only Dijon mustard. Wow. I don't know if Josh is attempting to translate every atrocity into a spicy food <laughs> that also is unique. It's... I don't know. This sounds spicier than Dijon mustard to me, but I, I don't know. Oh, I see. Now, yeah, I mean, he's – I didn't – I obviously picked up on the on the spice level theme, but um, I didn't notice that there was a correlation between the the food and the country. So well, maybe... I feel like there isn't always, but I feel like here he went for it, whereas I think Dijon mustard is not spicy. No. I mean, it's a certain type of spice, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little spicy. And also, you know, I think, I mean, Perry even brought it up. And the the second he did, I thought about the atrocities. Is that like, you know, we we talk about these countries and we talk about their world influence as if it's like a positive thing. And then like Perry said it and it reminded me like, oh, yeah, France has a lot of world influence because they colonized like a huge chunk of the world. (laughs) And it's such an interesting thing. Like, okay, yeah, like. Of course, French food and even the French words for food and the French language are everywhere, but that's be- that 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 is built on a, a not great foundation. Um, I I agree with you, Dan. This is a little bit spicier than Dijon. Let's say four out of ten. Probably a little low, but I think a fair score. They're they're doing just fine. Okay, category category eight. Your favorite celebrities. Oh, Joe, they're gotta be. It's France. It's going to be amazing. Honorable mentions who are all deceased. Everybody pour one out for Andre the Giant, professional wrestler. Oh, my God. Yes. Napoleon, the emperor. Huge celebrity. And Coco Chanel, the fashion designer. That's a diverse group. Is she deceased? That That would be a very interesting dinner party. (laughs) <laughs> having a dinner party with uh oh wow she's way deceased holy crap <laughs> any dinner party with the notably tall andre the giant and the notably short napoleon who actually apparently wasn't that short but still compared to andre the giant would certainly look short would be amazing the powerful napoleon with the monstrous andre the giant I think I I'm more interested in the conversation than the like uh size disparity. But yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Andre <laughs> the Giant was a noted drunk and anyways, the bronze medalist. The bronze celebrity is none other than Eva Longoria's ex-husband, Tony Parker. Tony Parker is a basketball star for the San Antonio Spurs. He's a four-time NBA champion, winning the finals MVP once. Parker played for the French national team from 2001 to 2013 and appeared in the 2012 Summer Olympics. He almost missed the Olympics, however, due to injuries suffered from being in a nightclub where Drake and Chris Brown got in a brawl. Off the court, Parker donates 20 tickets per home game to underprivileged youth. Parker is also the first ambassador for the Make-A-Wish France Foundation. The future Hall of Famer has been selected to six NBA All-Star games and made the all NBA team three times. Clocks in 2.2 million Twitter followers. Could you pick Tony Parker out of the lineup, Joe? Uh, Certainly not. But I love the Spurs. (laughs) It gets partial points for that. You'd love Tony Parker. If smarm could be defined in basketball, he is 
pure smart. You'd, you'd love him if you if you followed basketball. I'm in. The silver medalist, soccer star Eric Cantona. Cantona played for the French national team from 1987 to 1995, but never qualified for the World Cup. In 1996, he was controversially left off the team in favor of Zinedine Zidane. Cantona is most well known for his time with Manchester United, where he was nicknamed King Eric. From 1992 to 1997, he scored 64 goals in 143 appearances. In a 1995 match versus Crystal Palace, Cantona directed a kung fu style kick at a fan who had run towards him while screaming verbal abuse. Cantona was fined 30,000 pounds and banned for eight months for the incident. Oh, man. Man United's magazine publication ranked Cantona as their best player of all time. <laughs> He's not on Twitter. Okay. Karsten is this is optimized for you. <laughs> based on I love a besmirched Manchester United player and now the gold medalist Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I love Avril Lavigne. Who was born in Canada but carries French citizenship. She Was she at least born in French Canada? I don't know. It does Carson doesn't specify, but he says the queen of pop punk has sold more than 40 million albums worldwide. Her, her debut album Let Go peaked at number one on the UK charts in 2002. At age 18, Levine was the youngest female soloist to reach the top of the UK charts. Her most successful album, The Best Damn Thing, was released in 2007, scored seven worldwide number one singles, including smash hits like Skater Boy, Girlfriend, and Complicated. Levine is involved in a number of philanthropic endeavors. She has recently been involved in fundraising to sponsor athletes who are participating in the Special Olympics. Levine is credited with paving the way for female-driven pop-punk-style music, and Billboard magazine ranked her as the 10th best pop star of the 2000s. She clocks in at 22 million Twitter followers. Great, great picks, Karsten. Uh, he did well here. I mean, I think these are good celebrities for sure. Not not quite as good as as some other countries we've talked about. But um, I will say, Avril Lavigne was born in Ontario, Canada, so a little bit um, not not quite as authentically French as maybe you'd want. But it's a good choice. Let's say five out of ten. Five out of ten. Oof. Well, picking Tony Parker, you 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 don't know who it is, was a, a weak choice. Huge mistake. Huge mistake, Kirsten. Big mess, big mess. Well, there's only one category left, Joe. And why not? Let's get into this minor, tiny category. The system of government head of state. Thanks to fans emeritus Bez and Ryan. France is known the world over for its cuisine, fashion, culture, and language. It is the most visited tourist destination in the world. A key player on the global stage and a country at the political heart of Europe. France paid a high price in both economic and human terms during the two world wars. The years which followed saw protracted conflicts culminating in independence for Algeria and most other French colonies in Africa, as well as decolonization in Southeast Asia. France was one of the founding fathers of European integration as the continent sought to rebuild after the devastation of the Second World War. The politics of France take place with the framework of a semi-presidential system determined by the French Constitution of the French Fifth Republic. 
The nation declares itself to be an indivisible, secular, democratic, and social republic. Executive power is exercised by the President of the Republic and the government. The government consists of the Prime Minister and Ministers. The Prime Minister is appointed by the President and is responsible to Parliament. Parliament comprises the National Assembly and Joe... Don't tell me. The Senate. The Senate, yes. France was a founding member of the European Coal and Steel Community, later the European Union. As such, France has transferred part of its sovereignty to European institutions as provided by its constitution. The French government, therefore, has to abide by European treaties, directives, and regulations. The young and charismatic Emmanuel Macron, a former economy minister who has never held elective office before, won the May 2017 presidential election runoff by a decisive margin over his far-right challenger Marine Le Pen. The 39-year-old Former banker launched an independent campaign for the presidency little over a year before the election, and his En Marche movement galvanized enough support from the center-right and left to knock the traditional socialist and Republican Party candidates out in the first round of voting. His moderate revolution has been a breath of fresh air compared to the tribalistic and divisive politics of left versus right. And let's learn more about Emmanuel Macron, who was elected in May 2017. Why you might like him, Joe. Became president of France at 39 and had never held elected office before. Defeated Marine Le Pen, the female Trump of France. And he beat her very handily with over 66% of the vote. Two days before the vote, he was the victim of a massive hack where 14 gigabytes of emails and documents were released with fake documents mixed in by the hackers. I don't know if that's why you'd like him. <laughs> anyway, started the On Marsh party. I mean, the point is he got hacked and he won anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I could, as a technology person, don't get hacked. It's not that hard. Anyways. Started the On Marsh party in 2016 after leaving the Socialist Party. He calls it a progressive movement uniting the left and the right. The party has run candidates who have left the Socialist and Republican parties and won the absolute majority in the assembly already with 308 out of the 577 seats. Why you might not like him. Macron's wife, Brigitte Trojneau, was his high school drama teacher. By the time Macron was 17, he claimed he would eventually marry her, though she was married with three children at the time. He only has a 40% approval rating at the end of September 2017, despite 70% saying he is fulfilling his campaign promises. Reportedly spent $30,000 of taxpayer money on makeup for himself in the first three months of his presidency. Other facts. He was raised in a non-religious family, was baptized as Roman Catholic, at his own request, at age 12. Wow. At age 12, he was already thinking about his political career. Uh, look, I mean, I actually, I mean, I mean, Macron, he's such an interesting, first of all, it's so interesting to think that, like, it's hard to picture in America, too, that someone would start a political party and win the White House two years later. Like, that is insane. Um, the other thing is that, like, he beat Marie Le Pen at a time when, when, like, these like right-wing populist semi-fascist people were winning across the globe including Trump 
And that was such like a, that was an important moment because had he lost, it would have been pretty devastating. It, it really would have been a, a, a global disaster had he lost. So you almost like want to like, just be grateful for like, thank God he like got across the finish line. We needed him. <laughs> we, we did. We did. I mean, the 40% approval rating is interesting because it does make sense that like, because he is like such a centrist that the right probably doesn't love him and the left probably doesn't love him. So you're sort of stuck with this, like, ah, no one's super passionate, but like they were at least sensible enough to not vote for Marie Le Pen. And it, it makes me wonder about how long that's sustainable long-term. The one thing I think is what are his disapproval ratings? Because the thing is in America, like approval, like Trump has like a 40% approval, but he has like a 55% disapproval. But if you just ask like about a random person, sometimes it'll be like 30% approval, 20% disapproval, and like 50% don't care. So just saying right. he has 40% approval, like, I mean, does he have 60% disapproval? Does he have 55% disapproval? Does he have 30%? Like, I don't know. Because the thing is, it's like Trump, the people who like him really like him. And the people who hate him really hate him. But there are political figures who like, some people like them, some people hate him, but a lot of people are just like indifferent. And and like also like what is like the comparable thing in France? Like maybe maybe French people are like, like what is this approval? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like you need the historical context. I, I don't know. Yeah, like maybe they're just grumpy about it. Like I don't approve, you know. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I I like I like Macron. I like some of the things about the French government. Obviously there are other things about, especially around like some of like the religious freedom stuff that I find a bit troubling, but um that wasn't part of the research, so we'll leave that on the side. Let's say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Got he stopped the far right. All right, Joe. Final. He was our fire. We needed right. him. Okay. The drink. The drink. Oh my God. I know. I, I enjoyed this when I had it with Perry. I'm enjoying it now. Uh, I, I, you know, I think I could add cognac to my like repertoire of like evening drinks. It, it is a very nice after dinner drink for sure. When I recorded with Perry, it was like one in the afternoon. It was not quite like a one in the afternoon drink, but man, it's great to have it this evening. Uh, I think, yeah, eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. Wow. Great. And so before I get the final score, let's hear Perry's final thoughts and your final thoughts with him. One other question, not, not even related to France, mm-hmm. okay? You know, you're our first guest on, on our podcast who's actually played soccer with me. Mm-hmm. So now I would describe, no offense, I'd describe your soccer playing s- style as a little bit like an NFL linebacker. Like you tend size. to take other players yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there was one game where you didn't tackle someone on our team. Yeah. Like literally tackle them. Yeah, right. So here's my question: Would you describe my style? I'm, I'm going to give you two options: as yeah. more like Ronaldo or more like Messi. Let's see. More like Messi. Oh, okay. Okay. I think the fluidness, the turning, and everything. Very. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think okay. Ronaldo has a little bit of the like you know. Ball- oh, I don't want to offend people, but the ballerina like walking. No, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's very graceful, and he's very, and he's I. For I cannot stand Ronaldo. I mean, I but I respect him, and I think he's. Ooh, I, now that's a very that's a very controversial take for our podcast because our podcast has come out decidedly pro Ronaldo. 
Uh, Ronaldo was... happens to share a birthday with my co-host. Ah, uh, yeah. So we're a little bit biased. So, I mean, I, I think as a if I take him just as a player, mm-hmm. I, I he's incredible. Mm-hmm. But if you take him as when you see the person behind it, and I think he's changed. I think he's definitely becoming more. Mm-hmm. Uh, real, you know, instead of being this sort of selfish. Well, and he's getting you know, older too. He has, to, yeah. he has to change how he plays a little bit yeah, too. And yeah, he has a kid now and everything. So, yeah. but I mean, you know, because I, I want to like him because yeah. I think he's an amazing player. But I just uh, there's this little he's he's like a dick. Yeah, yeah. and there's the diving and all. That. I mean, I just players who die. I mean, the the so if I had to pick a player that is the complete opposite of Ronaldo, who is very talented, it would be Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. Because he's the opposite. Like the guy gets tripped and he's like crawling and he's he's using his hands to get back up to go mm-hmm. after the ball, and Ronaldo just falls before he even gets touched. So that's the yeah. that, those are, that's the main difference. Not French though, Eden Hazard, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish he would naturalize French because you know would be... France should just they should just annex Belgium. They should just yeah. take it over. They should. They would win every we World Cup. Win, yeah, we would win with yeah, Lukaku, Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard yeah. Hazard, yeah. yeah. Oh I think gosh. I think the Belgians are going to be pretty pretty good this year, but but it's the same thing. It's like a, a pool of great talented players doesn't win. That's true. That's true. No, absolutely. It's always like that. Yeah. I mean, look at the look at the the England team. Look at Belgium. Yeah. Look at it's been over. Look at or the French even French in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it almost seems like you also need to have a cohesive style of play mm-hmm. that kind of defines your country, which I think is why Brazil always does so well, is that not only do they have, and Spain for that matter too, last World Cup was standing, because they have not just great players, but they have a distinctive national style mm-hmm. that those players can sort of get schooled in from like a young age up until adulthood. The Spaniards is a perfect example. Absolutely. Because they, they all play the same. So just, all- so just to clarify for our audience you're saying that i play like messi that's great thank you bit, yeah. I, I appreciate it no, okay. no problem. Yeah. <laughs> all right well that's it hey, so do you want to give us any other any last parting words about why i should no, i mean do you think i should pick france for this world cup do you think they'd be a fun team to follow this world cup i think they'd be a fun to follow i was looking at the group i mean the group should be a pretty easy group to get out of so yeah. uh-huh. you know they'll that, make yeah. it further in the tournament i think yeah i think it's a good choice i think germany's a great choice oh wow wow you're I mean, the Germans, the Germans, I mean, I I would always be with the French, but the Germans always scare me and they're always good and they always have, they seem to have the next guys that come up and they're just, you know, after, after the older guys retire, there's always the new guys like, Mm -hmm. you know, Schwein Steiger's leaving and there's going to be the next, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be like the best, one of the best attacking fours in the German squad and it's probably going to be scoring a lot of goals. Well, we haven't done the Germany episode yet, but it's good for me to know that even a French fan Thinks that Germany would be a fun team yeah. to follow. I, I would love to to see Brazil go back to how they were when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. because that was a fun. Now it, it, I don't. Social media probably ruins everything. Like you have all these superstar players, and it just takes them out of you know. You know they just, they just become more than life, and it's just I think that ruins the game. Well, you know Brazil definitely um, needs some redemption after Germany just crushed them in the last World Cup. And if Neymar's healthy, I mean, I think they can do it. But I think they're going to get. I think I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to make it. I'm, I really don't. I I don't know what their group is, but I I think they'll probably make it out of the group. But I don't think that they have. I mean, think about back in '98 or or the World Cup before that. They had. I mean, they had amazing players. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they still put, have amazing players, but yeah. they just haven't been able to put it all together. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, Barry, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate Anytime. it. All right. All right. The final thoughts and Joe, your score. 
The t- the total score sixty six, which puts the average of seven point three three. The only the only the third team to get in the sevens. Second place to Argentina seven point six eight. Also Denmark seven point one seven with the modified scoring, but France comes in seven point three three. Joe, what what say you? I mean, look, I think. France had some of the best categories we've talked about. I think Perry's non-full-throated advocacy for them. I mean, you know, frankly, the fact that he wasn't trying to convince me makes me want it more. Really? A little yeah, reverse yeah, psychology. Why is, why is he playing hard Do to get with the French Do not congratulate. <laughs> I think that France absolutely should move on, and I'm excited to talk about them in the next round. All right, they're in. Now, Joe, our final pieces of business. Do bears saunter? Do raccoons saunter? The votes are in. All right, calm down. The votes are in. 66% say bears saunter. And only 44% say raccoon saunter. Wow. Wow. So strong bear sauntering agreement. Now, Dan, what was the most popular combination? The most popular combination was that, in fact, that bears, yes, and raccoons, no. Although the second most popular that was also equally popular was bears, yes, and raccoons, yes. So I think, look, on the Reddit, some genius posted a video of a gorilla sauntering. I think we've seen visual proof that gorillas can saunter, and everybody as part of the Reddit has seen that. But I still haven't seen visual proof of bear sauntering or raccoon sauntering. I mean, I think bears saunter in private, obviously. <laughs> Dan, they don't, they, they don't want to be photographed sauntering. It's rude. Uh, well, I, I feel a little vindicated, but, but, but I think you're right. We need to find some visual proof of this at some point. Joe, do you have a poll for this week's thing? Or now we can just do a Reddit question. Yeah, I mean, wait, I I think we already talked about it. I want to hear people's thoughts on our language question. Oh, that's good. That's good. What is the best, what is your top five language language pairs that you got to know? All right. Let it be done. It'll be on the Reddit. Everybody who wants to to respond, go to reddit.com slash r slash Joe Picks, the Joe Picks subreddit, the most happening subreddit on the site. It is. It is, you know, trending pretty pretty hardcore on Reddit. People love it. It's trending. It's hot. Uh, that's it, Joe. I think uh, I think uh, we're, we're ready. Uh, our next episode are going to be Peru and, and Panama. Or maybe just Peru. And then... And we know we have our a, a Peruvian superfan, so we, we want to hear from We have a Peruvian superfan, and then our... our Next podcast is going to be a live podcast next week at at your house, Korea. And have you have the soju arrived from Korea? It has not. Oh, oh boy, you better better contact Superfan Tom about that. Yeah, I don't know what you know what the the, the custom status of that is. Um, and I'm excited for next week. You know, Peru, Panama, Korea, Panama. We get Panama. We get the the 
the return, the the defense of the canals. We've we've done our straight episode with Morocco and that's Portugal. Right, that's right. Now we get the canal episode. That's it, show. Longest episode ever by far. Woo! Absolutely deserved for France. We could have gone another hour. All right. See you, Joe. Bye, Dan.